I'm Alex Travis. And I'm Maureen Friedley. This is the High Horse Podcast. And we're leaving egos on the ground. Yeah. Back from a hiatus. We took a long break. I moved. <laughs> I'm uh, in the I moved process of moving. You moved. I had my computer shut down on me. Like everything oh, that, that could have happened good. last month happened last month. <laughs> yeah. So sorry. Um, apologize for that. I know everybody's been kind of up my butt and around the corner about when the podcast is going to come back. Um, we've just been busy, man. Coordinating two schedules. It's hard. Yeah. Especially hard from different States and then with kids and everything too. And yeah, but here we are. Uh, and today, back. today we're talking about plight of the pony, right? Maureen. Yeah. That's what I like to call it is the plight of the pony, which I think is perfect that we talk about it right now. Cause I don't know how many like sale groups you're in on Facebook or anything like that. But I, my Facebook feed is just filled with Christmas ponies right now. Too many. Let me just tell you, because I ain't got the money for none of them. Um, I mean, I do, but that's part of the problem, right? So right. I can, I relate to this a little bit, right? Because so um, I'm not, let me just back up, right? My brain's moving faster than my mouth. I'm not real big. I'm not real, real big on teaching kids on right, like having them grow up riding a pony and then transitioning them to the horse. I'm not real big on that. Um, If you're going to put like a really small child, like a two-year-old or a three-year-old on a horse, it should probably be a fucking pony and you should be a lead light, right? For safety reasons. Um, But... I did. So I, everybody knows cricket. Probably if you're listening to this podcast, you know, cricket, uh, cricket's a small horse. She is technically not a pony because she's at least 14 hands, 14, two. She's got kind of a tall with her, but she has more of a thin frame, right? She's got more of that, uh, slender, athletic Turkoman style frame. So, um, can I start her and put her under saddle? Sure. But can I ride her long term? I don't know. Up for a great deal of debate right now because she's kind of more like a pony size. Now I'm talking about talking miniature horse, miniature pony. I'm talking like actual right. like Welsh pony type of horse, um, which there's a lot of controversy about in and of itself, right? Like how big can you be? Yada yada. Um, now I took the risk when buying Cricket, right? When you buy any grade horse, grade in quotes, or Mustang, you take a very big risk. And especially when they're younger, not knowing how large they will get. Um, knowing that and being a responsible horseman, when I purchased Cricket, I made the commitment to um, either always and forever provide her forever at home, no matter what, right? So if I sell her and she comes back, she always comes back to me. Or um, finding her in an appropriate home that would home her forever. Um, I'm not confident that that would happen now because of her size, right? So like if I found a person that was like, oh yeah, I'll take that horse. Um, Because she's not standard size and she's not stocky, I'm not confident that she won't get passed around, especially like to these Facebook group, et cetera, et cetera. So she'll stay here forever. And it kind of worked out, right? Because I have two kids who are learning to ride Um, and she's sound. And she's an appropriate size. Um, But when my kids grow up, 
and can no longer ride her, she will still stay here forever. And that circles us back to what we're talking about today, which is Plight of the Pony, in that they just get passed around. They just yeah, kind get of, passed. They are 100% like used and abused throughout their entire lives. <clears throat> and very right. rarely do they, are they lucky enough to be in a situation where, you know, they live out their lives wherever it is that they end up. <clears throat> and which, which is really, really sad because they live a long time. Yes. Ponies, ponies tend to stay sound longer. They tend to require far less maintenance, far less uh, nutrition. Um, and they just live a freaking long time. Um, and that, and that's the other thing that I feel like they get kicked around. Like they, I feel like they end up having such a crappy life most of the time because you either have people that, you know, they go from person to person to person with kids riding them throughout their lives, or they end up as a pasture ornament with somebody who doesn't understand the nutritional yep. needs of a pony. And then you've got foundering ponies all over the place. Right. So I just, uh, I sent Brooke a screenshot the other day of a pony for sale here on Craigslist. And in the ad, it goes, I'll be honest, he's an asshole. Um, how common is that, right? Like ponies, yeah. especially miniature ponies or miniature horses are just kind of notoriously dickheads. Well, I firmly believe that is a byproduct of how people treat them. You cannot treat a horse like a dog and expect it not to have behavioral issues because horses are not dogs. Exactly. Horses, and they have very complex personalities um, and very complex social needs and a complex relationship, right? One of the reasons that we can treat dogs the way that we do is because they're predators. And so they are inherently less threatened by our presence biologically because they're also predators. It is much more difficult to maintain a healthy relationship with a prey animal when you decide to treat it like you would another predator. It's not a predator. Right. Um, likewise, they just tend to get away with a lot more, right? Get away with them using this in quotes, air quotes, everybody. You allow a miniature horse, whether consciously or subconsciously, to do things you would not allow a Clydesdale to do, let alone a full-size horse. You just don't. You just don't. Um, because it appears less threatening. It appears less of an issue. It appears, it appears, it appears. Yeah. It's all cute, um, Suddenly, right. for whatever reason, when they're under 14 hands, everyone's like, oh, it's just their attitude. They're just being cute. They're just, I, I see it all over TikTok when I go through oh, yeah. and, and these, there are ponies out there that have this cult following. And I see this in the mm-hmm. dog world too, on TikTok, where you can see that this dog or this pony clearly has behavioral issues. Oh, Pudgy. But it's Pudgy's yes, the best Pudgy, example. Exactly. But it is framed in such a way where everyone thinks, oh, it's just, it's just cute. Right. And I want to highlight that for a second. So for those of you that don't know, Pudgy was a chihuahua who has since passed away. Um, But Pudgy was constantly, I mean, repeatedly on a daily basis, pushed past his threshold of what he would tolerate to intentionally elicit negative behavior, right? He would go and attack his owner. Um, but it was written off because he was this big. He was like one pound. Um, and it was for clout, right? This person, is mm-hmm. a, uh, their account is past a million followers, et cetera, et cetera, because people thought it was funny, right? They did it for the likes. Um, let me tell you right now, if that behavior was from Archer or if that behavior was from a Great Dane or a St. Bernard, you wouldn't think it was funny. You'd be shitting your pants. Mm-hmm. The same issue happens with ponies 
in that their behavioral cues are consistently ignored. They're ignored. When that horse says no, you're ignoring it because you think it's cute or because you as the handler do not perceive that animal as a threat because of its size. Um, I, I feel this in my own personal life with cricket. Um, in thinking about the first ride and I constantly, so I constantly cross uh, examine my horses and compare them to one another to evaluate myself and my biases, my perceptions to see if I'm being accurate or if I'm, uh, transposing emotion onto a decision or onto my evaluation of something. When I think about a first ride with cricket, I don't, it doesn't. I, I almost, I'm almost certain she'll buck no matter how much uh, preparation she's had. I've talked about this before because she is a, um, she is a right-brained extrovert, very high anxiety animal, mm-hmm. very high anxiety animal, very fast learner. Yes, absolutely. So she'll probably throw a couple bucks, realize I'm not trying to kill her and then be fine forever. Probably never buck again, but she almost certainly will because she's high anxiety, right? The idea of that, doesn't bother me at all. It doesn't scare me. Why? Because she's this tall. She's a short horse, small horse. Uh, I'm not worried about falling off of her getting tossed off. Um, whereas Sully, when I do a direct <coughs> comparison, right? Same situation. First ride. Sully's had more preparation. Sully is much more calm, much more level-headed, much more introverted, less likely to blow up. When he does, it's less explosive. And I still don't want to ride that horse yet. Why? Because he is taller than me at the shoulder mm-hmm. and falling from that size is, not, especially for me, because my hips are fused, my back is fused in many places. Um, and I just know how that feels. So it's the same thing, but in, in a little bit of a different suit, right? So right. Less worried about cricket because of her size um, than Sally. And I just see that amplified in this miniature horse community, the miniature pony community, in that they're like the size of Archer, slightly larger. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are just not threatened by that. They're just not threatened by their behavior. And what does that do to the horse? Oh my God, you create a very frustrated, very angry, animal that can do nothing about it right exactly. he's kicking you he's biting you he's rearing up he's doing all the things that the big horses are doing and getting none of the results um and so you amplify that by having dozens of owners in their lifetime being passed around to sale barns being auctioned off um oftentimes being ridden in tack that absolutely doesn't fucking fit mm-hmm. um being just mishandled and mistreated and you have really unhappy animals really unhappy animals um, that are not ethically treated, not humanely treated. Their nutrition is hardly ever on par. Um, and, you know, I think there's a lot of discussion as well that could be had on the subject of um, do, are the interactions from horse to horse the same as horse to miniature horse, horse to pony? Do horses see miniature horses uh as con specific right like they don't see we know for a fact donkeys know the difference between a donkey and a horse and a horse knows the difference between a donkey and a horse do they see 
uh, horse, miniature horses any different? Um, and there's certainly a couple schools of thought on this. I think, no, I don't see, think they see them differently because the behaviors are the same. However, they are much more susceptible to being bullied. They are much more susceptible to being injured. And so likewise, when you have a miniature horse in a herd with much larger horses, what happens? The miniature horse becomes the devil incarnate because they've got to establish boundaries and very firm, very aggressive boundaries uh, so as to maintain their safety. Yeah. Um, And I definitely, I mean, I have, I have a herd of half horses and half ponies. And I definitely mm -hmm. see that they communicate perfectly well with each other. However, like you've said, it's kind of like they, they also understand I'm a big horse. You're a little pony just because you put your ears back at me and tell me, I want you to go that way. doesn't mean I have to do it. And yeah. And they very much chap without, you know, I can tell you that there's one pony Hamilton. If you follow me on, on TikTok, Hamilton, the white pony is my white hackney pony that I rescued. He is the low man on the totem pole for everybody. And he specifically Mm -hmm. gets picked on by chap a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, and which is weird because chap will get along with Timbit, the, my little chaos, annoying pony, no problem, but he's just got something against Hamilton. But, um, but I definitely see them communicating just fine, but you do for sure see that they realize there is a size difference and I can bully myself or I can bully you around as much as I want, because what are you going to do about it? Right. And on that note, I think it gives people more perspective in understanding that they're getting it from, from both sides of the field. Mm-hmm. They're, they get ignored by other horses. They get ignored by people. Nobody listens and you get really frustrated animals. Yeah. Um, and again, simply because of their size, people perceive them as less of a threat. So it's less likely to ever be addressed. Exactly. And I saw that for sure with, um, you know, for a short time, we had Sonic the pony here. And that was the pony that I took on as a quarantine project. And he was the pony that was brought on as to have as a pasture ornament, just out in the backyard. Um, and his attitude reflected that he had very poor nutrition. He, uh, to me, did not have great confirmation. So clearly the, the, you know, backyard breeding of ponies is a big issue because the little, those little tiny baby ponies are super cute. And don't get me wrong. I totally agree because donut had Timbit in our backyard when we didn't know she was pregnant. Um, but his confirmation was not good. He didn't have great feet. Um, and he, and then I, he had this big thing about having his ears touch and he would rear if you tried to touch around his mm. pole area. Uh, I suspect that it's because he was thrown up there as maybe a yearling and yeah. they didn't think he'll get any bigger and he grew into his halter. And I feel like maybe there was some nerve oh, damage yeah. there. Mm-hmm. So that was something that we had to work on. I worked really hard to fix all of his issues to be able to put him with a family that where he could just be a nice little lead line pony. But we had to work through a lot of issues, especially with that rearing. Um, because, of course, you yeah. know, when he rears at me, you know, if he strikes out with his front feet when he's rearing, he's going to hit me in the stomach, which is still going to hurt, but it's not going to be anything too detriment- detrimental. But if he does that with a small child, that's mm-hmm. straight to the head, you know. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, between getting ignored for nutrition and ignored for, you know, their signs of 
um, discomfort with maybe having children on their back or with poor fitting gear. Mm -hmm. It's, it's so hard to find pony gear. Oh, big time. And let's just talk about that for a second. So if you're going to have your child riding a pony, um, we, and confirmation is a big deal. You're right. And they're not responsibly bred Mm -mm. because there's a huge influx as well of, um, kind of like in the exotic pet trade where people want these miniature ponies and they want to keep them in their house. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like a competition as to who can breed the smallest pony. And we're, we're seeing, um, from a veterinary standpoint is first of all, a lot of really serious mutations in the genome that are failure to thrive long-term. Yes. We saw this in, um, what was that pony that who recently passed? He was a dwarf. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Um, yeah. Uh, bean, like pea, like a Peabody, Peabody. Pea, yes. Mr. Peabody. Yeah, yeah. Um, failure to thrive. Uh, he, I, I believe he eventually died of liver failure. Um, but that's a direct product of having been bred that way. Right. Um, so you have this influx of people that want this, because the, the smaller they are, people think, oh, well, I can keep it in my house. Um, and what we're seeing is, so I don't know how familiar you are with the miniature pig industry. Oh, yes. It's a mess. Um, but this it's actually something we covered at length in my master's program. Um, what happens with these miniature pigs is they don't live very long. They live like, I think two years max, don't quote me on that, but it is a very, very short amount of time because guess what? The pig's body stops growing, right? Because that's what you've selectively bred for. And this is what happens when you have people that do not understand even basic genetics, breeding animals. They breed for what they see, not for what they understand. So we're breeding for size, right? We want these teeny tiny pigs because people want to keep them inside and it gets lots of views and it gets lots of likes and everybody wants to be internet famous, right? Without any uh, consequence to what that actually means and how fucking stressful it is and how much energy it actually takes. Yeah. Um, And unfortunately, while these animals' bodies stop growing because that's what you've bred for, you've bred for a small animal, their organs do not. And so eventually they die of systematic organ failure because their organs are being compressed to death. Right. And that's only one, one of the, the, one of the causes of fatal, of, you know, high morbidity in that particular uh, breeding practice. Um, there is liver failure. That's a really high one. Kidney failure, really high. Um, but ultimately these animals um, that are very small, like your teacup pig, right? Teacup pig industry is what we're talking about. They, they, I don't, I don't believe they live longer than two years. Just thinking off the top of my head, haven't Googled it. Haven't, you know, thought about it since my master's program ended in 2018. So it's been a few years, right? This information is old in my head. Um, certainly, certainly not longer than six, but I want to say it's around two. And I think I'm even being generous with that. I think most of them it's like between six, six months and 18 months is the fatality range. Um, because that's when a pig would normally have a, right, a growth space. Growth spurt, yeah. And their organs start to shut down because there's nowhere to grow. 
Right. Uh, and they live little, painful, miserable lives. So um, that's what we're seeing now with these dwarf horses. And it's, I think, starting to bleed over into the miniature horse industry. I see a lot. And like you mentioned, these Facebook ads, and they always mention the inches of the horse. Ah, oh, he's yes. this many inches. So it's a big deal for people, the size of the animal. And you know what? If you're a person with kids and you want your kids to learn, I know Deidre Fox, she has her son on Pompon, uh, a miniature horse named Moonshine. Very wonderful little horse. Very wonderful little boy. Um, and... I get that. But so if it were me and my kids were younger, maybe that's something I would do as well. Right. Got to put myself in other people's shoes. But as a horseman, I would keep that animal for the duration of its life. Yeah. And I mean, that's exactly what I've done. We, our first horse on property was our Let's Pony Donut. By the way, I just want to pause. I'm not saying that Deidre doesn't intend on doing that. I have no idea what Deidre's intentions are. (laughs) And if I had to assume, I would assume that she'd probably keep Pompone forever because she treats that animal like a king and loves him to death. Yeah. There's my, <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's how, how it's going to be for donut here. When, when we said we got donut for our let when our let was, she would have been three. Um, <clears throat> and donut was 16 at that time. So I specifically wanted Jesus. an older pony. Yeah. Um, because I knew that if the pony was going to be with us, it was going to be with, I, I, had always thought about the plight of the pony. And I was like, if we're going to bring a pony here for her to start learning on and start, you know, learning mm-hmm. how to take care of and everything, we are going to have this pony for the duration of its life. Um, so I wanted a senior pony because, you know, just because I think senior horses are the best fucking thing in this world. Right. Um, and they're thrown away just like ponies. Though. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and so when, when Jonah came to us, she was very round but it was one of those things we, so we went back and forth for five months. Is she a fat pony or is she a pregnant pony? And then she had Timbit <laughs> and Timbit but was very hey, lucky. That's a fair, uh, listen, I went through that guessing game for 12 months with Thelma because yeah. you do the same thing with donkeys and donkeys and ponies have very similar nutritional requirements. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turned out, unfortunately for me, Thelma was not pregnant with a little baby donkey. She just is insulin resistant and round. <laughs> oh, poor Thelma. But when she relatable. Had, yeah. When she had Timbit, um, we said that he was at that time, we said he was forever going to be with us. Now that we're in this situation with moving, we've decided to not bring him with us to Colorado, but he is going to a close family friend, my farrier. She knows him. She knows his feet. Mm-hmm. She knows his nutritional needs and everything. She's taking both him and Hamilton. So they are staying together. And uh, we have an agreement that if for some, she, she's never going to leave Texas, but if for some crazy reason she was leaving Texas and didn't want them anymore or anything like that, they're coming back to us. Um, but again, that if, if she wasn't willing to take Timbit, he was going to have a very strict contract of where he can be, what is going to happen if you need to move, uh, if you don't want him anymore, where he is going, if you know, that we get him back and everything. So I try to be as responsible of a pony owner as I'm expected to be a horse owner. And I think that's where Mm -hmm. people tend to, um, try to separate the two is they say, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't need this. Our let's too big to be riding a pony anymore. 
Now Donut carries Paxson around. He's a fast growing kid too. You know, a couple of years, he's not going to need a pony either, but Donut's still going to stay with us. She's one in a million. Um, and I made that commitment to her that I was not going to have her go house to house to house and home to home to home and, and potentially end up in a bad situation. And part of it's my understanding, right. From our discussion, part of the reason you're leaving the two you're leaving is because of their inability to thrive in the environmental conditions where you're going. Yes. When we had the, the snowstorm in Texas in February, um, specifically Ham- Hamilton did not handle the cold very well at all. Um, mm-hmm. So I knew that he forever needs to be in a warmer climate. Timbit, mm-hmm. um, he does well with the cold. He is a furry mammoth when it comes to wintertime. <laughs> Um, however, I also know that in terms of commitment to him, you know, by the time he would be able to be ridden under saddle by a child, my kids are not going to be able to ride him because they're going to be too big. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to, and he has too long of a life just to be sitting out there and be doing nothing. Right. Well, and if you're, it's always, so again, my brain's moving faster than my mouth. If you are going to rehome an animal. It is oftentimes better to, yes, rehome them with a partner whom they already know so that it's less stressful. Yes. Um, and so the retort I often get from breeders, right, because I get in fights in the comments all the time, I don't have self-control, is, well, I don't know what happens to these animals after I saw them. How can I keep up with that? Okay, well, don't be ignorant, number one. Yes, you do. Yeah. So... With Cricket, one of my requirements, so I was considering selling Cricket for a time because her physical ability um, was beyond my means and she's small, right? Well, one of my criteria when looking for a potential home for her was someone who was very active on social media and had a history of being active on social media for a long time. So in addition to the contract, right, the signed notarized contract written up by an attorney, there was also um, a way for me to be from like behind the scenes, essentially check up on her. Right. Right. So because the problem that happens is, you know, these breeders have contracts, right? Sell back contracts or, or give back contracts. Oh, if the horse doesn't work out, give it back to me. But the person who buys the animal doesn't follow up and doesn't go back and say, well, it's not working out. I need, you to take the horse back. Instead, they just take it to the auction barn because they would rather have the money mm-hmm. than be responsible. Right. Which you're a piece of shit, and I hate you. There's no other way to say it. I was gonna think of a nice way to say it, but fuck you. Mm. Um, so that's their excuse, right? The breeder goes, Well, I didn't know. They never contacted me. So I always, you know, any potential buyers I add as mutuals. And I follow up. I literally, it's something I would literally put on my calendar every two to three months to check on their social media, see if I see that horse. Yeah. And if I don't, I'm going to check in. Hey, I haven't seen Cricket in a while. How's she doing? Um, can you send me pictures? I'd love to see pictures. Because then if you haven't seen the animal, you can follow up. And then the response typically goes something like, well, by that point, they've already sold them to the auction barn. You're right, but you know what else they did? They signed a fucking contract. Yeah. So now guess what? We're going to court. 
We're going to court and I'm going to make sure you can't own livestock in your state ever again. Yeah. Ever again. Um, and I'm going to sue the shit out of you. I'm going to sue your fucking pants off yeah. because I can. Because you signed the contract. Too is, is people that are involved in the horse wheel world, you know, it seems like a very, very large community and that you're not going to, you know, run into any of these people ever again. When in reality, we're all very, we're all very closely connected to each other <clears throat> without really, re really realizing it. Oh, well, um, if you want to get into the science of that, that's called the six degrees of separation. Look right. it up. You'll yeah. be amazed. Um, everyone in the world, everyone, every single person from uh, someone in an Aboriginal tribe living out on the land in Australia to George Clooney is only six connections away from each other. Six connections, six, six human connections away from each other. Works right. every time. They've done they've done so many studies on this. It's crazy. There's actually a documentary on it too. So if you think you're going to get away with it, you're not. Yeah. Um, and if you think I'm just going to go off and buy a horse from somebody else, you're not. Right. Yeah, that's what um, I'm trying to get at. Is that you're like you you may think, oh, okay, well I'll go to court, I'll pay whatever fine it is, whatever, and I'll get away with it. When in reality, you know, you're then going to turn around and blast it on Facebook, and it's going to yeah. be shared. And it's going to go on TikTok and it's going to, it, everyone is going to know by the end of the week, what mm -hmm. happened in that situation. And so part of me, and this is going to probably be bizarre to some people, or maybe it'll give you a laugh. I don't know. So that little pony very genuinely considered buying it, but they wanted like 500 bucks. I was like, I'm not paying 500 bucks for a pony. I didn't even pay that much for my horse. You're crazy. Um, there is an auction pretty close to us. And if it, I mean, it doesn't really matter. I don't ever want to leave my property. Um, but one of these days, uh, I want to put a line in on a pony. And I'll tell you why. Number one, I would never have to feed it. There's, there's, they probably have to wear a grazing muzzle here, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and number two, I think they offer so much. They offer so much to teach you uh, from an equine perspective. Um, and I like to say I have one of everything. So I'm experienced in that area. So one of these days, I'll probably get a pony. Um, it'll probably be the meanest little shitter you've ever seen in your life because that's just my luck. But the reason, right, the reason I don't have a pony already is because every time I go to get a pony, I think of, I saw a TikTok once of a person who all their horse's tails were short. And they were all like, flat and they were like all at hawk level and I'm like what the fuck why are all these um and somebody asked me and they, they did a reply video and she goes my pony chews on everybody's tails and I was like I will be damned I will be damned I draw I draw the line right there yeah ma'am that's not gonna work for me I long tails here okay um so I'm afraid I'm afraid it'll chew all my <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's really common. I mean, like I've got three of them, and no nobody has ever chewed each other's tails off or anything. However, like the the naughtiest thing any of my ponies do is Timbit. Basically, his whole life is just about being naughty. But he he has figured out how to, or Hamilton has figured out how to take Timbit's halter off. If I put him in like a timeout. <laughs> So, nice. you know, because awesome. Timbit has figured out how to, um, how to steal from the grain buckets of the big horses without 
me getting a hold of him because he's so small. He goes underneath their necks mm. and just it creates pure chaos. I can't tell you how many times I've tripped and fallen over myself and gotten bruises and cut up and and everything chasing after that darn pony. But um, so, so sometimes I, I will supervise feeding. And then while I'm supervised feeding, I also have him tied to a tree in a halter. And so that he has to stay there. Um, and every Maybe once in a while. Maybe that's what I should do with my donkeys. Those that's an idea. Yeah, but fuckers. I, it's so funny. I will, I will look over my shoulder every once in a while. And the two of them will be standing next to each other. And they're looking at me like we weren't doing nothing. And one time I had my phone over my shoulder <laughs> to see what was going on behind me. And Hamilton was pulling his halter off his face. That's nice. So that's nice. I like that a lot. Good for him. <laughs> I love that for him. <laughs> no plight over here. No plight with these. Right, yeah. Yeah. My, pony, <laughs> my ponies, my ponies live a special kind of life. Um, and so I, I mean, I don't think anybody listens to the podcast that doesn't have horses. Yeah. But so for the people that do, that do have horses and are on other parts of TikTok, or maybe you're on miniature horse TikTok and you've seen the influx of people wanting to get these animals, um, as house pets, right. Or as like, haha, rinky dink, your miniature horse. And this is how I would go about advocating for them. Your miniature horse does not have any different requirements than your standard size horse, aside from it has different nutritional needs, right? You do right. not need to give your miniature horse alfalfa. You do not need to give your miniature horse grain. Um, you will so you know, yeah, my, my ponies are strictly on grass and hay, and I'm lucky enough where my grass is not super rich, so they don't need a grazing muzzle, but yeah, they receive zero grain and alfalfa. Absolutely not. Um, cause it'll, it'll literally kill them. Yeah. Um, with the horse beaties so they don't but they don't have any other different right so you can't get one you can't you have to meet the three f's food friends freedom <laughs> you cannot get this animal and let it live in your house because it is still a horse it's tiny and it's cute but it's still a horse let it be a horse it must live outside it must have a place to turn out it must have friends conspecific right i probably use that word a lot and have never said what it means um, a conspecific is another of the same species, mm-hmm. right? So when we say it's not a conspecific, that means it's not the same species, but another animal. Um, must have conspecifics, must have forage, must have access to food. Don't meal feed that animal. More likely to probably get the horse beaties. Um, I can't believe call, calling it horse beaties is just... <laughs> The horse beaties, uh, <laughs> diabetes, the horse beaties. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, and that's what I would say. They're not cute, trendy, haha pets. They live a fucking million years. Um, and I just, I would just hate to see it catch on and trend like it did with miniature pigs, with these quote teacup pigs, because yeah. they are just tortured, these animals. And pigs, highly intelligent smarter than horses by a mile yeah by a mile um and it's just incredibly unfortunate um i do when you had so you had dana meyer do a reading for you did any of the ponies yeah uh no none of the ponies popped up and i didn't have her specifically read any of the ponies but um i am planning on having her read one of the ponies pretty soon Mm. so 
Man, to get the ponies perspective, maybe we'll have to do a follow-up episode. Yeah, that would be um, interesting to get their perspective for sure. And so the other thing, I, I don't know if I mentioned this already. I probably got sidetracked most likely, but um, is saddle fitment, right? So if you're going to have your horse on a pony or kid on a pony, um, because that's what you're going to do. More power to you, I guess, whatever. But just remember, you have the same saddle fitment requirements as a regular horse. Mm-hmm. Cannot pinch the wither. Cannot go past the saddle support area, which is the error I see most often. You've got these great big saddles on these tiny little ponies. And then you wonder why they've got poor attitudes. Because you are putting a fucking lot of weight on their lower lumbar. It hurts. Yeah. It hurts them. That's why. So proper saddle fitment, a good saddle pad. And yeah, so important too, because when then when then when you consider, you know. If you're having somebody ride a pony, it's most likely a child that has no experience or is learning. And then you're having them bouncing around and trying to figure out how to sit in the saddle and everything. So protecting your pony is so important because of that. You know, and I, I often wonder what the prevalence or, you know, the prevalence of kissing spine is in ponies. Mm, That would be very interesting. Because I'm, I bet it's more prevalent than we realize. Yeah. So that's, that's my little soapbox for ponies. If you're going to buy them, keep them forever. Please treat them like a horse. If you're going to have your kid on them, please ensure you're not causing pain to that animal. Putting them in tack that doesn't fit. Yes, I know that tack is hard to find. I understand. In which case, it is better to just fucking ride on bareback or use a bareback pad. Well, your kid will learn far better balance, mm-hmm. far better equitation. Alternatively, you can get a, a total contact saddle. They're a company out of the UK. I really want to buy one. Um, in this scenario, I feel they're very safe. Basically, it's a girth. It goes all the way around on the horse, right? So think of a surcingle without the rings and stirrups. That's it. You can use it with a saddle pad. You don't have to use it with a saddle pad if you want, whatever. Um, so it gives your child a little leg balance, but it's not ill-fitting. Right. Wonderful. Um, I caution people on using these on small horses and small green horses and children. Don't ever put a child in one of these because if you go to come off and you don't, you're stuck to that animal. Just like being stuck in a stirrup, um, except you don't have a saddle horn to reach up and grab or any part of a saddle. You don't have the fender. You don't have anything to reach up and grab and try to get your foot loose. So, um, but in this scenario, I feel they're relatively safe, especially because you shouldn't be putting a two or three-year-old on a horse and walking away. Um, I don't care how handy you think they are. Um, And advocate for them. If you're going to advocate for traditional equine welfare right on your traditionally sized horses mm-hmm. these animals are no different Eat, advocate for responsible breeding you mentioned confirmation earlier yes uh i first of all it starts at the head golly it yeah. should look like a small horse it should look like a small horse if it doesn't look like a small horse in the face chances are confirmation in the rest of the body is not so great right so advocate for that And when you see people doing stupid shit on miniature horses on the internet, speak up about it. 
they live a fucking long time. They don't deserve to be treated the way they do or they, they are treated. Um, I got into it with a girl. She was younger. You remember this? The girl that was riding. The girl that, that was shot. jumping that pony. Yeah. Yeah. And she was yeah. like, I'm not too big for him. Girl. Yes, you are. Shut the fuck up. Where are your parents? I want to smack you both. Um, why? Because it's not just about weight. It's about proportion. Yes. It's about proportion. Um, there, you can, you can be under the weight limit and proportionally inappropriate for your horse. That's me for cricket. I am under her alleged 20%, which is a whole different episode. Have we talked about that already? We haven't. No, we've said that we want to use that one in the future though. So mm. we will eventually we cover say. that for sure. So, uh, I am under the 20%, but proportionally my torso a lot, a lot to be directly on top of her, uh, mm. which is why, you know, we've mitigated that in other ways. So the same is with these ponies. Like when you see someone, Oh, well, it was only for a couple of seconds. If I take a five gallon bucket filled with concrete. Now, if you're not very familiar with concrete, concrete, it's quite heavy, quite heavy. So five gallon bucket of concrete, very heavy. I don't even know if I could lift it, but we're just going to use that as an example. Yeah. Um, and I drop it on your lower back. What are the chances are you think that doesn't feel good? It was only for a second. What's the problem? It was just a second. It was only once. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it only takes a second. And it's just shitty horsemanship. Bottom line, end of the day. Yeah. You want to feel like a, a Billy Badass? You want to ride uh, some rough stock? Go do that. Put your ass on a green umbrella course then. Go pay entry fees at the next rodeo. Right. Um, but in my opinion, that's animal abuse. And I don't know the way the law sees it. I'm sure if it went in front of any level-minded judge, they'd probably look poorly upon you. But that's my thing. I, ultimately, if I had to pick one, just one, if I had to pick one, I am probably dead center between treat it like a horse like an actual horse, when you see its ears pinned back and you see it nipping at you, it's not funny. It's not cute. Right. Um, and keep, and keep it for the duration of its life. If you're not willing to keep it for its life, then if you're looking for a pony for your horse, just go for the horse. Cause I can tell you yeah. as, as the, as the parent who bought their child a pony and then transitioned their child from a pony to a horse, it does slow down their progress a little bit, mm-hmm. which is understandable. Because you're going from something that is basically on the ground to something yeah. that is very much not. Also, the motion is different. The movement is different. Yes, exactly. Um, um, the, I mean, even just going from, even just riding at a walk, you're thinking about how many steps your pony would have to take in that same stride that that horse is taking. Yeah. So even a walk going from a pony to a large horse for a child is pretty damn fast. Um, yeah. When Arlette transitioned, the biggest thing that got her was the height because she had had a couple of falls off the donut Yeah, and it wasn't that, you know, she, she got up, relatable, up, got on. But when she got up on Mando for that first time and realized this is way taller than donut is, you could see her confidence went down a little bit. So that was something that we Dude, had to work. To I relate to that. Exactly. From I think that's Sally. I, 
Yeah, I think really all of us can. I mean, if you're somebody who rides a 15 hand quarter horse, if someone threw you up on their 17 hand Clydesdale, you know, it's, it, it, you are going to yeah. feel a little bit in that gut. You're going to have that moment of, holy shit, this is really high. Um, yeah, and it's not fun quite, at all. It, yeah. And it's like going to be like double that for your child because you are going to doing that kind of jump. Chances are you you already have some horsemanship skills. Your child has none. So if you're not somebody who's saying, I'm going to keep this pony for its entire life, or at, be, at the very least be responsible for that pony for its entire life. Like we've said, having, um, contracts and everything, if it's going to go to another home, um, then just go for the super, just get the senior ranch broke horse. That's a babysitter and start your kid off on that. Yeah. You know, it's um, just going to save you a little bit of extra time. And then you're not going to be that shitty person that sends the pony off to somebody. And then that person sends them to an auction and then the pony is in a kill pen and you know, all the other, uh, mm-hmm. terrible things that ponies have to go through. So and, and, you know, it's funny because when I posted that first video of Tegan at her first lesson, mm-hmm. there were so many people that were like, that horse is too big for her. You need to put, she needs to learn on a smaller horse. First of all, she did fabulous. She didn't yeah. have a single fucking problem, not fucking one. So where, where exactly were you seeing that she needed to be on a different horse? Because if anything, she could have used more horse. Yeah. If anything, at her first lesson, I would have liked to have her struggle a little bit, not excel a whole lot. Right. Um, but yeah, it, that's a really common thing. People think, um, for whatever reason, that a child should just learn on a young on a small horse. I don't think it does them any favors, personally. No, I, I, I do not see. I mean, the, the only, like I said, the only reason we, that we ever started with a pony was because Arlette was so young when she started. Mm-hmm. Um, and I uh, do not, I know that there are a lot of people out there that put their kids at two years old, three years old on babysitter horses. We did not have access to something like that because they cost a lot of money, mm-hmm. which they should cost a lot of money because mm-hmm. they are hard to come by and they are worth every penny. But for our budget at that time, a pony was what was going to work to get her started in the equestrian world. Um, if I could go back and maybe take another year of budgeting to put money aside to start her on a babysitter, I probably would have done that. Yeah. But I don't regret it. I mean, we love Donut. She's great. Um So by now, people are probably wondering, well, then what the fuck is the point of a miniature horse or a pony? Um, Well, let me tell you. So there's three. Number one, they were originally bred in England, actually, to pull carts. Yes. Well, no, they were originally, let me recant. That's not true at all. They were actually originally bred as pets for the elite, for royalty. They were originally bred as pets. However, then they found a job, right? So... Uh, once in England, they were like, Hey, child labor is not cool. You know, um, kids could no longer be forced to work in mines. Right. So then, the and, comes in. yeah. And so they're bred to pull carts. So one really great purpose for a pony, no matter, well, not no matter, but, um, within reason is for carts, cart pulling. Um, they can pull quite a bit, especially if you're pulling tandem, right? So mm-hmm. driving a cart, pulling a cart, that's one. As a companion animal, if you cannot afford a full-sized horse uh, and your horse is by itself, 
a donkey or a pony. That's always my recommendation, a donkey or a pony. And in worst case scenario, a goat. Yeah. Uh, but goat is not conspecific and donkey is not conspecific. So it is typically better to have a miniature horse or a pony. Um, and the third is for packing, which is it's very similar to pulling a cart. Yeah. Uh, but different. So those are the three, in my opinion, ethical purposes of a pony. If you're right. going to teach your kid to ride a horse, uh, I'd put them on a full-size horse. Yeah. I will say, yeah. however, going, going back to whether or not you should start your kid off with a full-size horse or a pony, I will say that if you have a, a kid who has a want to be part of the horse world, but also has a fear of horses, that a pony is a nice starting point. But don't you think it'll just stunt them once they get on a bigger horse? Again, right? that's like, what, yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's, that's one of the, you know, the kind of, one of the things you kind of give, uh, give up on a little bit, I guess. I'm trying to think of a better word for it, but I can't think of it now. Um, one of the compromises you make. Yeah. But yeah. to, it, I, I am so big on building confidence around horses. I feel like I, mm-hmm. I feel like people see that a lot with my TikTok when I do stuff with our light and everything. So for me, if I have a child who wants to be in the horse community, but is scared of horses, I feel like starting off with a pony is a good start, even if it's going to slow them down a little bit, because I'd rather have them slow down transitioning between pony and horse than slow down because they're scared on top of the horse. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because I feel um, like if they have that first, if they have that very first fall in their career from a pony, it's a lot easier to bounce back if you're scared of horses and bouncing back from a pony fall than to be scared of horses and try to bounce back from a horse fall. So I have a little bit of a different perspective in that um, I'm doing my absolute best never to put my kid if they're that small, right? If they're that small, I'm never putting them on a horse where I feel they might fall. And in the first many lessons, one of the things we practice is intentional falling. Mm-hmm. You've got to know how to fall because you're going to, you've got to know how. Right. Um, not the emergency dismount. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking yeah. about intentional falling. Um, and also one of the key principles uh, and part of the foundation of my horsemanship is accepting that it's a fucking horse. It's not an ATV. It's not a dirt bike. It's a fucking right. horse. It's a living thing that has emotional responses, that has physical pain, that lives and breathes. And so there is always an inherent risk. You could get thrown off at any time and become paralyzed from the neck down or die. There, that is right. on the most broke horse, on the safest horse, on uh, the sweetest horse, the horse you have the best relationship with. And you don't even have to be on them for that to happen. They can kick you in the head and kill you. Okay. I'm very big on never ignoring that. Fear, and Brooke has talked about this before, fear keeps you safe. Right. Don't let it control your life. Don't let it control your decision-making, but it does keep you safe. Um, yeah. And that's why, you know, like when I talk about Tegan's first ride or first lesson rather on a full-size horse and she had no fear at all and it went great and she didn't make any mistakes. I felt that set her back. She needed a little, she needed to be put on a horse that put a little bit of fear in her because the kids that are not afraid fall worse. They fall worse. Mm-hmm. Um, it's better to be prepared for it from my perspective. I, I totally agree with you. Um, and I, I really I think, 
I think uh, what I'm trying to communicate is that not not that kids are scared are scared of horses because of falling, um, or that kids are scared of falling because of horses or whatever. I, I'm I'm trying to say that you know a lot of times, especially what I see as a photographer when I do shoots that involve horses with young children, when I do like my unicorn shoots or anything like that, I like to use donut because. I know that there are lots of kids that come in just the general size of a horse mm-hmm. that alone mm-hmm. for a lot of kids is too much. It's too, it's too much. It's just overwhelming. You see mm-hmm. their size, their, their height, their size, their big heads. They tend to be curious and want to come in really close and see them and touch them with their nose. And sometimes it's just too much stimulation for any child. Mm-hmm. So I, in those situations, I feel like the ponies for kids that are like that, that they, they want to be there. They want to do a unicorn shoot. But as soon as they have that horse step to up to them, now it's way too much. But if I have them step up to a pony, it's, they just feel like this is something that's my size. Mm-hmm. So it's something that I can relate to better rather than having. This is my autism then, because I see that and I think it's yeah. not going to work for me. You got to work through it. Yeah. You either got to work through it or don't be around them. And I told uh, and, the, yeah. it, the emotional, the emotional response is one you have to work through. Right. Um, and one that I, I lack. And probably, I also just can't relate to it because neither one of my kids have ever had that. Right. And my I've kids won- have never been scared of horses either, but the, it's just what I have seen when I've seen mm-hmm. people's other kids. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, I think as a, for clients, I, I just, I just have a different response, I guess. And that's part yeah. of the reason I think uh, we work well together is we can respectfully have different reactions. Uh, if I had a client whose kid had outgrown a pony and was afraid of a bigger horse, I would say eventually they'll get tired of being on the ground. Right. They'll get tired of it eventually. Yeah. They've got to get over that. Fear is good. Fear is good. Battle mm-hmm. up and do it anyway. Hard. Pot calling the kettle black. Sully sitting out in the pasture right now. Not really. <laughs> I fucking get it. I fucking get it. But eventually, yeah. and this is another thing Brooke says, Brooke might as well be a third podcast host. God damn it. Um, if she says, eventually you'll get tired. You'll get bored of being on the ground. Eventually you'll get bored teaching tricks. Eventually you'll get bored doing what you're doing and you'll just do it. Yeah. And by that time you're ready. When you're eventually, when eventually your boredom, or your uh, excitement, frustration, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. eventually it outweighs your fear. That's when you're ready. You're probably not ready before that. You're probably not. Right. Um, I I feel like maybe you and Scarlett went through a little bit of this when she initially, or not Scarlett, you and Arlette went through this a bit when she initially transitioned to Scarlett. And remember we talked about it. And what did I say? Yeah. I said, she'll work through it. Yeah, and she did. She'll work through it. Um, you know, it's, I, but it's all natural. Fear is natural and it keeps you safe, right? None of us right. want our horse to, or kids to fall off our horse and become paralyzed forever. <laughs> That's, nobody wants that. I get yeah. it. So I get, yeah. I get the desire to put your kid on a pony. Understand that there's potentially a little bit of setback there that can happen when they transition to a standard size horse. Yeah, it definitely is something that you just something to consider for your kid. If it's something that you're willing to work through, not, I mean, I just don't want to, to make people think that we're saying ponies don't have a place with children. Yeah, not at all. No, I just definitely think it's something to consider if the biggest thing being 
are you going to keep this pony for the duration of its life? Or are you going to be the person that we're talking about in this episode who has caused all these issues with ponies now? Sure. You know? Um, And again, I think what I'm driving home is that both parenting styles have a place. Yes. Both are valid. You're equally valid. If you do it more, if you're doing it Maureen's way where you started your kid on a pony and now you're ethically rehoming that pony because you've moved to a place where the weather is inhospitable to that animal because it was not responsibly bred in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Wonderful. Happy for that. Because what you don't want to do is move there anyway. And the animal fucking withers away and dies. God damn it. Right. Um, it can't live indoors. It's a horse. Right. Um, or if you're the person that you're a mom and you put your kids on a horse for their first rides and you trotted them and loped them and they were just fine, or maybe they weren't, they fell off, whatever. Um, and you got criticism from strangers on the internet. They didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. You're valid too. Yeah. You're valid. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, you know, definitely, it, it definitely comes back to the whole, you know, everybody knows their kid the best and knows how, what is going to be the, the, the first, the best first stepping stone for them, whether that be a pony or the babysitter. And sometimes, you know what, sometimes you don't, sometimes you don't know. Yeah. That's and sometimes you too. just, you pick but, one and you hope for the best. Fuck, dude, raising a person is a fucking hard thing to do. Sometimes right. you don't know it's okay. Um, and you know, I went through, I, I just, this is kind of my last point. I went through both with both of my kids. I have a very extroverted child who has ADHD and is not afraid of anything, which is often an issue. Yeah. Um, who wanted to lope on her first uh, day and we let her do everything and she excelled. She did great because she has no fear, right? Fear affects your center of gravity, affects your balance, blah, 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 mm-hmm. affects your hands. And I had one who was afraid to trot and I knew she'd be fine. And yeah, I kissed that horse forward. I sure did. And you know what? She was fine. Yeah. That's my parenting style. Yeah. I can, don't know if you've caught on to this yet. I'm a tough love kind of fucking yeah. mom. No, I mean, um, I, I've, I had to do the same stuff with Arlette for sometimes, you know, she would say, I don't want to do it. And I'd say, well, guess what? We're going to do it. Um, and we've been very fortunate to have great horses that sometimes say, Hey, guess what? Arlette, we're going to do it. <laughs> like, right. like I said, Arlette had a barrel race yesterday and, um, her style, her typical plan going out at the moment has been, we trot the pattern and then we lope home. Well, when she went out and did her pattern yesterday with Scarlett, because Mando is off getting, uh, getting pampered right now, uh, Scarlett said, no, we're going to lope the whole thing. And Arlette just did it because she knew she didn't have any other option. So, yeah. Um, and my response is always, okay, well, if you don't want your kids to get hurt, don't put them on a horse. Yeah, no, that's not, it's not the sport for them then for sure. Or the activity. Yep. All right. Well, we'll we'll see you guys next time. It won't be four weeks from now. I promise. Yeah. No, we promise. (laughs) (laughs) Or however many weeks. We've got the whole. We've got the month planned out, so we should be good. (laughs) See you guys. Barring any issues with my computer. So. Damn it, Maureen. No, I don't got no wood to knock on. (laughs) 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 And some baseboard nearby. There we go.